0: The following podcast is an Embassy Row production. Welcome back to another episode of the Beauty Vanguard, the podcast that explores the beauty of inclusion and is home to badass women everywhere. Woo-hoo. Namely, namely, one who I know personally, Nikko Greco has made one of fifty. You are one of fifty badass women uh, this year for InStyle magazine. Bravo! Good job. Thank
1: you.
0: Thank you. I thank think you, number one much. on that list is Malala. So, like, yeah. <laughs> right? Cool. Casual. I was. Yeah.
1: Cool, exactly. casual. I mean, I almost passed out when I saw Malala. I almost forgot to scroll down to myself. Um, right. but it's like, I'm good.
0: If I'm on here somewhere, that's fine. She's topping the list. Because <laughs> Malala, Tell- wins. Malala I wins. I love this concept of a badass 50, and I have gone through the list. It just hit newsstands um, in this month's uh, issue of InStyle. Everyone should go check it out. You will recognize Nicaeo Grico as well Aww. as many other faces out there, like global leaders, you know women just doing amazing things such as yourself. I think that it's such a really beautiful um, selection of women. I think they did such a good job. I'm not just saying that because you're on it. I would say that anyway. No. Um, I do think they did. They approach it really nicely. People in the political really arena. Um, there was two women on there who are like revolutionizing baking. Obviously, you and beauty. Malala, the current... Yeah. Right, the current mayor of Boston, who is the first woman of color to be the mayor of Boston. Which I mean, you know, it's it's kind of spanning the whole like a bunch of industries, but what what does it mean to you to be a badass? What is I mean, that can mean so I many mean, things. What does that it mean? It means so
1: many things. First of all, I am so deeply humbled to be in such impactful and inspirational community. All 49 of the other women are truly, truly badasses. And, and to be named a badass alongside them, it's beyond humbling. It's it's mm-hmm. beyond surprising. It's beyond all of the things. But I would say one of the most incredible feelings is feeling validated in in what we have all co-created with, with 13 Loon. Um, beyond it being... a a timely experience and, um, a way to help elevate and amplify others, it just, it feels so good. And, you Mm. know, from the badass standpoint, it gives me real bragging rights here at home. Uh, (laughs) don't mess with me. I'm a badass. I know. You can play that card for a while, by the way. It's January. It's definitely happening for the next 11 and a half months. Yeah. Your birthday's Um, every month for this year. My birthday's every month. I'm a badass every month of 2022. It will be how I want to be referred to by my children <laughs> no longer is just mommy enough. They mommy will be allowed badass. to say one curse word which is my mommy's a badass. Um mm-hmm. yeah, no, it is it is just I think we should get
0: that printed on t-shirts and they wear it to school.
1: My mom uh, is yeah. a badass. Right. Obviously. And then we can make t-shirts for their uh-huh. friends that say, like, yep. Rocco's mom's a badass. Lulu's <laughs> mom's a badass. <laughs> David can walk around with a t-shirt that says, my wife is a badass. A badass. I mean, exactly. my mom, my daughter, um, my brother, I'm my gonna sister. You, I'm
0: going to have a sign made uh, to put outside in your front lawn that just says, a badass lives here.
1: Right. My co-host <laughs> is a badass. I mean, it's, it's right. the possibility. Are endless. I mean, endless, t-shirts. Endless t-shirts I coming really think soon.
0: That, I really think we need to run with this. Most people campaign ahead of time, but you've gotten right. it. We're gonna blow it out.
1: Right. right. Campaign starts now. Campaign starts campaign, now. And as a former uh, student started. student body president at Norman in Norman, Oklahoma, um, I I will go back to my campaign roots from yep. high school, yep. and I will definitely be flying this badass flag. So. Thank you so much in Style Magazine and everyone who considered and, and gave me this deep honor role. This badass will wear it with pride. And speaking of badasses, I cannot wait to get into this next episode with this badass over at the Beauty Vanguard. We've talked a lot
0: about our dream pie-in-the-sky guests here at the Beauty Vanguard, and Tracy Ellis Ross has always topped that list for obvious reasons. She's an incredible and award-winning actress and one of the most authentic entertainers of our lifetime. She's a beauty CEO and a bold fashion icon who inspires us to lead a life that is, in her words, juicy and joyful. We talk here about breaking boundaries in beauty and beyond and get into her enviable daily hydration routine. We talk, of course, about her favorite products, but also chat purpose, paramenopause, and all things pattern beauty. You won't want to miss, well, pretty much everything this legend gets into here. We talked and laughed so much, in fact, this episode turned into a two-parter. Welcome to the Beauty Vanguard, Tracy. Welcome to the beauty vanguard, Tracy. You are the beauty vanguard. Like you encompass so much of what we stand for and why we do what we do. Thank you for making change with, with just in general, but with pattern, mm-hmm. uh, pattern beauty. Your your wonderful hair care line, and thank you for being here yes. in your gorgeous pink. Your gorgeous pinkness. I, I feel like a oh, dowdy. No, little I have fall. Like I'm winter, winter, downer over here. Not at you all. are.
2: Um, thank you. You know, I'm so happy that this was finally able to happen. My blackish schedule has kept me away from doing some of the special things that I wanted to do, and this is one of them. And I'm glad it's actually perfect timing. Um, yeah. Nikko and I having seen each other this morning. Yes. Um, I should put my hat to the other winner from today congratulations Uh, to both of you yes congratulations
1: yes beauty ink Ink awards
2: before we were recording i was saying that i i really feel like what 13 loon is doing and what blackish has done is really create as work at the effort of creating more space and tilling the soil Mm -hmm. for what is to come in a world that is a truer reflection of who Mm -hmm. we actually Mm -hmm. are out here and Mm -hmm. Um, and I think it's really beautiful and it's very exciting. And so I'm happy to
1: have this conversation with the two of you. I know me too. And, and, and we were saying, you know, in regards to blackish, when we were speaking earlier that, you know, I was saying that, you know, this is something that has really been that family moment in our home and, and been such an amazing positive experience for us as a family and for my kids to see true black excellence and success and true family moments and dynamics. And, you know, I remember watching the COVID episode and Rainbow at the hospital and her son is sneaking around with his girlfriend and and like what a powerful conversation that we had as a family after that. And that, you know, I know you mentioned it in a caption that I wish you would read for our listeners to hear about, you know, I say all the time, I just hope there's more to come. That it's the catalyst for for the future of, of television and celebrating Black excellence, families, the dynamics, the important conversations, and making it—you know—even before 2020, Blackish was making it okay to have those uncomfortable conversations, and mm-hmm. and and making us all more comfortable in the uncomfortable. I think that was the gift, and um, yeah, and so yeah. But but tell our listeners what you wrote in your caption because it was super well, dynamic.
2: I, I I will I will read that, but I also want to respond to something that you said, and I think it's one of the things that leaves me with so much joy and pride about our show and what we did in the last eight years. And and the most rewarding thing has been hearing the experiences that families have had of all ethnicities, all cultures, all different mm-hmm. kinds of traditions, that they see themselves in our family. And more than that, in the Johnson family, I should say, and more than that, that people who don't, you know, it was a meeting place. It was a place to mm-hmm. convene with your children that you could sit and for 22 minutes, watch a show and then have 10, 15 minutes afterwards with your kids with dialogue about right. subject matter that we don't always have access to, don't know how to enter those conversations. And, mm-hmm. and so I feel really proud of what we did in terms of that. And I do think we changed the landscape of primetime television. Um, it's not 100%. its not to say that shows about Black families um, didn't exist before, but what it, there was a gap again, and mm-hmm. they call them waves. They say there's a, a new wave in television, but I hope we ushered in the staying power and the importance of these kinds of stories, these kinds of American stories that can get mm-hmm. told and be identifiable for everybody and joyful, yep. and also what I think the best entertainment is, where you actually get to grow and learn something about yourself not necessarily with other people. And so what I did write in my caption, which was part of my speech at our wrap party, Mm -hmm. was let this show be a promise of what is to come. Let the space we leave in our departure be an invitation for an eternity of Black women leads who reflect the truth of who we are in the world and more shows that shift the narrative so that we can be seen in our fullness and reflected as the important, loving, powerful humans that we are. I love it. And no, I really think <laughs> it's, it's beautiful. interesting. You know, uh, the other thing to take into account is like the industry is not set up for shows like Blackish. Right, right. Um, and Blackish came through, if you think back to 10 years ago, at a moment, particularly on primetime television. You know, we're not a streaming, we weren't streaming like we were primetime television into mm-hmm. the homes of Americans across this country. And we proved that. A black family not a family that happens to be black but a black family is an american mm-hmm. family that is identifiable right. across the board yeah um, and that the, these subjects that we're talking about are for everybody and what i was saying is it connects so much to what 13 loon is doing the conversations you. That you guys have here at beauty vanguard and that pattern is doing and that we are mm-hmm. tilling the soil for a world that actually is sure a true reflection of us, but it's actually the world we want to see, you know?
0: hundred mm-hmm. mm-hmm. um, percent. Mm-hmm. But in its, like you said, in its fullness, in all the nuances and complexities, and certainly what Blackish has done and what the entertainment industry can do, but what also beauty is fully capable of doing. A hundred percent. As was recognized recently by both of the awards with 13 Loon and, you know, your, your <laughs> beauty award. <laughs> For change maker, because you know, from you know the way aisles have traditionally, historically been separated, segregated, to things being behind, you know, locked behind counters, to things being down on below a shelf placement, things one size fits all type of products, you know, those things aren't reflecting people who walk in to buy shampoo or styling at all. No, not (laughs) at all. So expanding busting the industry wide open and expanding not just the product offering to be to be reflective and see more people, but also the retail landscape. Yeah,
2: and, and, and I'm glad you said landscape, Melissa, because I feel like there's a lot of good initiatives happening in a lot of different spaces of the industry, but mm-hmm. it really is across the board. It's like changing the shelf space so that it is a reflection of the beautiful tapestry of our world and country. It's also changing the floor employees, the um, management staff, the executive suites, mm-hmm. like all of these places so that they are a true reflection of the world that we live in. Sure. Um, absolutely. And, I think, mm. and, and that's, that's work that I think all of us are doing and at the same time realizing the power of the beauty industry mm. and the connection that the beauty mm-hmm. industry has. Exactly. Um, I mean, the pandemic is such a good example. Right. right? We saw the sales like remained and skyrocketed in the beauty industry. during this Right.
0: Right. We talk about a lot here in Akeo and I, that beauty is such a great connector, Mm -hmm. just like entertainment. Pop culture is, is obviously a massively natural connector, but beauty is such a connector that cannot be taken for granted in the way that it it can bring us all
1: together. So absolutely. Um, Yeah. Well, so miss Tracy, you have such a full busy and juicy and joyful life. Yes. Um, and our, it's my favorite tagline love in, in the world. I love it. Can I get the earrings too? Or is that well, like, you know what, we, we, what we, we, we are thinking upset. about that. Those were my birthday gift from the pattern team. Oh my God. I love them so much. So I, know I was like, when can we get some earrings? Um, but no doubt you're a big fan of beauty. Um, yes. so we would love to know about your beauty journey, your earliest yeah. influences and experiences that have informed your view and ideals about beauty.
2: Well, my earliest influence really came through my mom. And it's interesting because I know that the beauty industry for so long was like a concealer culture. Like it was about sort of transforming Mm -hmm. yourself into something Mm -hmm. other than you were. Um, But I witnessed beauty as being a transformational tool to give you access to your agency and another part of your identity. I watched my mom. I used to sit in my mom's dressing room and watch her. My mom always did her own hair and makeup for stage. She still does. And I I would sit there and I would watch my mom transform into Diana Ross, who was not different than my mom. She was Mm -hmm. a -hmm. larger version who was wielding all of this agency. So I saw this big, glamorous, powerful woman that was my mom and the safe thing that she would transform because of the eyelashes and the fingernails, like it would sort Mm -hmm. of turn her into somebody. And so for me, beauty has always been another uh, tool to Mm -hmm. express myself and be myself as opposed to transforming myself into something other than I am or covering up what I don't like. Mm -hmm. So that was my original sort of interaction. And then, you know, I was allowed to put on a little bit of eel maquillage, pink joy on my (laughs) teeth. My mom would leave a little blush brush and a little pink joy, which brings me to my next sort of beauty business Lesson that I learned at a young age. My mom was friends with Alana of Il Maquillage, wow. and she was also with Norma Kamali um, of Norma Kamali. Yes. And unbeknownst to me, she was telling me stories, and I remember her saying, "Never put your name in your brand, or if you do, be very mindful, because Norma Kamali lost her name to her husband in their divorce." Wow. Um, oh, okay. I, and I think this is the story. And that's why she became Omo for a long time on my yeah. own. Right. Back. Oh, I didn't realize that was an yes, actress. Yeah. That's okay. amazing. Okay. Yeah. Ill Maquillage, similar situation. Um, I think the company was originally called, I'm not sure, but in the back of my head, I learned a lesson about business that unbeknownst mm-hmm. to me, I brought into my pattern life. Um, and, Mm -hmm. and really realizing that like, I wanted, yes, I want my name to be on something that I built, something that I gave birth to that was 10 years in the making, Mm -hmm. um, but that I wanted it also to be something that could live outside of and separate from me. And then the other part of that journey that I'll share with you is just my hair and how I was, you know, my own personal journey of my hair of. Just, I couldn't figure it out. I didn't, none right. of us lived in a culture where my texture was celebrated, mm. where I, even though my mom had the same texture and everyone in my family had the same texture, as a teenager, I don't care how cool your mom is in the industry. <laughs> so my mom. I did not want to look like her. I wanted to look like what was on the pages of magazines, right. um, albums. Right. Of course. You, know I mean? like, of you course. don't want to look like your mom. <laughs> 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 I mean, now as an I adult, know. all I want to do is look like my mom. But right. Um, I want to like, look like your mom. <laughs> I want to look like your mom <laughs> as a teenager. So, it was the last thing on my mind. Right, so right. I was right. relaxing my hair, putting treat, you know, uh, heat course, on my hair every going to the beauty salon, like beating my hair into submission, and like frying it within an inch of its life, and it couldn't do anything. And so mm. my hair journey came out of my own personal preservation and looking mm. for not only inspiration but products that supported me, and then I. Figured my hair out through trial and tribulation, through like going through, uh, just trying everything. I put beer in my hair. I've done an an actual clothing iron. I have put lotion in my hair. I've done like all the things that all of us have tried and done. Um, And when I came out the other side with healthy hair that was finally juicy and joyful and virgin and just beautiful and curly and all of that, I realized I was not alone. I realized that there were so many, so many, like a vast community of curly, coily, and tight textured people who had also become their own (laughs) best experts in their own bathrooms. And I remember thinking one day I would dream to make products that not only looked beautiful in my bathroom, Mm -hmm. not only were accessible to everyone- if there was a revolution going on, why was I just going to make it for the two people who could afford it? I like, right. I'm like right. make tools that everybody could use and yes. that were actually going to work. That we're going to incorporate all the things that were a part of what was important to me. Size value because I use more conditioner than shampoo, like
1: all these yes. different things. Right. I love that you, you know, do that. I love that right. you do that cuz it I, I mean yeah. and by the way it's so genius. Why has nobody ever thought of that before? Because Well, we, but let me tell you, Nikae, why? Because the shelves can't hold it
2: oh. because they're set up mm-hmm. in a way. And also you tell a retailer that you don't want to give them as many shampoos as you do conditioner. And they're like, that's not the way it works. We have to order, right. you know, the size wow. different, So you have to be willing to have conversations that actually mm-hmm. bring through the old ideas. And, and again, right. like listen to an audience that there's not data to support. Right. That, right. Know, right. If you're, right. If you have curly, coily, and tight textured hair, you're not going to shop at the same pace and rhythm as somebody who has straight hair mm. who has to wash their hair mm. more because it gets greasy. That's not right. the problem for the
1: curly, coily. Right. And
2: tight. Right. So, right. Right. So all of those kinds of things were part of the 10 year up, uphill battle of getting pattern mm-hmm. funded and figured
1: out. Wow.
2: Well wow. done,
1: because it is an incredible brand, and it's so mindful, you know. And I remember when I got it for the first time and seeing that the conditioner was bigger. And I often don't even use shampoo when I wash my I wash my hair because it's so dry. I'll wash it with conditioner sometimes, and so yeah. And when you have a lot of hair and a lot of hair like my daughter Lulu, it's a gift to know that you're not going to have to run out and buy another bottle two or three washes in that you're going to get that. There is that Mm. value because it is, it's, it's frustrating. And I can't tell you how many times pre-pattern Lulu would be in the shower and she'd say, mom, I'm out of conditioner. And I would have to run up to Larchmont Boulevard, grab conditioner, because there was no way that girl was going to go without conditioner. Right.
2: And by the way, the other thing, Mikheya, if you think about it, like also the expense right? So conditioners that did work, I would get two and a half co-washes out of them. And it was like $75. Oh yeah.
1: Oh yeah. Wow. Yeah. I remember somebody was babysitting Lulu. And when we got home, when she was pretty little and they were like, you use that brand on your daughter's hair. And I said, yeah, it's the only one that works What? because it was so expensive for a five-year-old. But that was... I tried everything else, and I also wanted her to have, like, non-toxic. I didn't want to just get, yeah. you know, what was on right. the shelf. Right. And, and right. for the hydration that her hair requires, the amount of moisturization that her hair requires to maintain hydration, you, I, it was literally $50, $60 bottles of conditioner for, yeah. for my daughter.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Well, at the end of the day, beauty brands, especially anything that comes into your daily life, personal care, should make your life easier and should also see the complexities of the cult you know the be culturally competent as well. you know, so I mean, you know you were saying having those conversations with retailers, retailers, I think hopefully from ten years ago when you started your pattern journey also have to be willing to have those conversations with the, the founders mm-hmm. and the developers and realize and or just make the space for it and realize that some people may have blind spots or, you know, just be open to that conversation because like you said, a lack of data or culling the data on the part of the retailers well, or the of of it industry. Is,
2: it's sort of like when things work well enough and they work well enough mm, for the right, right demographic of people. It's sort of, like, why, right. do I, why do I need to open that door? That room is working fine.
0: But not going above and beyond exactly. and like, does it look beautiful? Is there a size value? Right. Can someone buy this and that and not run out of that mm-hmm. before? That's 10, the reason you know.
2: though that we want all aspects of the industry to reflect the beautiful tapestry
1: of our world because 10% it's completely
2: yes. a blind spot. Even if people are well-intended, it's not their initial sure. response or reaction to think about things like that. And right. there are certain things like, for example, I mean, you know, it's conversations with retailers. It's also conversations in terms of packaging. It's like, how right. are you, you have to mm. convince people. And I had a lot of courage because I had nothing to lose. This was not the only thing that I was trying to do. And I already spent 10 years. So by this point I was like, <laughs> look, I'm going to hang out until I get it the way it's supposed to be. Or I'm not doing it at all. I've already, 10 years has already gone by guys. So, I got to <laughs> lose at this point. And then um but it's right. also conversations that are a little more difficult like the actual shelf space and you right. know what it's like mm. for a retailer mm. to right. change something like the the you know the shelf mm-hmm.
1: in a store
0: that's the high like- yeah.
2: The actual size? Yeah, the oh, actual the, size, the, the, the size the height, of the everything sit for a shampoo and a conditioner. And they're like, well, if the shampoo is smaller, it's not going to sit next to the conditioner. And we can't have a, a bottle that size can't sit up straight. There's all these different kinds of things, which <laughs> wow. are genuine, you know, things that need to be solved. But right. in the process, sure. it's like you have to be able to have those conversations, which are the battles to fight. Which are the battles that you fight mm-hmm. with a larger group of people? Where is the data to support mm-hmm. the things that you're saying? So these are all things that I think are part of us creating fertile soil for the industry to make these mm-hmm. fundamental changes that we want. 100%. So. That- that the yes. consumer can feel seen and heard and actually celebrated and supported, which is what makes mm-hmm. people spend money. <laughs> right. It's so true. In all facets. Right.
1: Correct. And 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 especially, you know, it's interesting. I had a, a call with a brand today about a makeup brand that we're reviewing, and I have this no cherry picking shades rule. I don't care if this dark ebony is only slightly different. If you make them all, we want them all. Because Cherry picking shades is what got us into the situation that we have been in in the industry with darker women not Mm -hmm. being able to find their shade, right? Because even Mm -hmm. if brands were developing it, some brands might have been, they may have been true allies. They may have been considering all and melanin rich skin in their formulations. But to your point, when they got to the retailer and the retailer said, we want, sand one to sand five and forget the rest. Mm. And they cherry pick those. It's almost like brands and it's hard. It's hard, especially when you're a brand of color to sort of stand up to the retailer in the way of like, it's all of them or none. Mm. Because ultimately the more that we all start to do that, the more that the industry is going to listen and watch those shades will sell if they're available. Um, it's,
2: it's sure. changing the conversation.
1: It's, I love mm-hmm. what you say about the, the soil, you know, and, and that's what the beautiful thing about this time is, is that we get to do a lot of raking.
2: We get to do a lot of raking. And, you know, I think the, the cherry picking, it's so interesting because from a lot of executive and retail point of view, they mm-hmm. don't have the data to support that it's going to sell. So they, they're only doing, you know, and then, so it's either you've got to get a a retailer who's going to take that risk with you Mm -hmm. or, Mm. you know, and so it's, it's a really interesting puzzle that I don't, um, as a a consumer turned CEO,
0: (laughs) I'm (laughs) like, wait, what? How are these decisions
2: made? Like, you know, how well-intended people are, but it's like, they just don't know better. And, right. and so how do you right. change that? It? It's really interesting. And, you know, I'm still a consumer. I mean, God, I, I love I, the product Same. situation is so insane.
0: <laughs> it's so insane. Real. <laughs> Literally. Yes. My dining I'm going to, we're going to ask you okay. about, we're going to ask you about some of those products. Uh, yes. Later. Yes.
1: Um, yeah, no. My, some, my dining some room of the is things. Well, beauty closet. Um, for sure.
0: <laughs> so I think the answer to this is the impetus for pattern. But growing up, outside of this amazing access you had to your, you know, mother getting ready and, and business women, women actually creating beauty businesses. Mm-hmm. Did you see yourself reflected
2: in beauty? No. <laughs> what? No. <laughs> right.
1: No. no. Right.
2: I didn't. I could, I could count on a handful uh, on, on my hand on television. Like there, there were a handful of black women who wear their, wore their hair naturally. So there was my mom. Mm-hmm. There was Cherry. Mm-hmm. Raydon mm-hmm. Chong, mm-hmm. Lisa Nicole Carson, Lisa Bonet, um, Cree Summer, and mm-hmm. I was just going to say her. And yeah. I think that was it. So there were like six. You certainly but- did not see newscasters who wore their hair naturally. No. So I didn't, I not only didn't see it on television in the shows I was watching in terms of models because I was obsessed with modeling um, and the supermodels when I was mm-hmm. young. Naomi wasn't wearing her hair like that. There, mm-hmm. was, um, mm-hmm. there was a Swedish girl, there was Gail O'Neill. I think her name was, um, she didn't wear her nail nail hair naturally. There was y- Yvette or we looked it up a friend of me, Angela Davis. And I looked it up and I found her images. Mm-hmm. There was a cover of L where she had. Tangible. Oh
1: yeah. And her hair was like going to. The yeah. Sky. I remember that. I remember yeah. that. And yeah. I, I remember saving. I was just like, what is this? Yeah.
2: Um, And then there was another model by the name of Cristal, Cristal or something. There Mm -hmm. were a handful, but they were women. They were light-skinned women who had made it through in the beauty industry. And Mm -hmm. I rarely saw, Mm. but when I saw images of people Mm. like Nina Simone um, and I saw those hairstyles, I was enamored and in awe. Mm -hmm. I've been wearing my hair in cornrows since I could figure that out right. um, I learned to braid mm. early. Cause I, I was, I was like that, that's like beautiful. Like if that's a way to wear my hair so that I don't have to deal with um, how tough it is when it's raining outside and all that kind of stuff, I thought that would be amazing. So right. I didn't see myself mm. reflected in the industry in enough ways. And it was frustrating because I thought that beauty meant straight hair. Mm-hmm. I thought that sexy meant easy breezy um, and that messaging, I mean, even messaging like I woke up like this has been challenging for me to navigate because maybe at 18, I woke up like that. Or maybe, you know, when I got out of the ocean, you know, at one point, my hair was easy and breezy and beautiful. I don't know. Like, right, right. My, my sexiest hair for me is not like this. That's not what it is for me. You know, right, right, um, right. So it's been really interesting and beautiful now to see us reflected back in so many different ways and was a conscious part of one of the tenets of pattern of being an active space for the celebration of Black Beauty. I love it.
0: Mm. I love it so but I love how you say that just beauty messaging in general when we all grew up of easy breezy beautiful and just the effortlessness, but like nobody was talking about how. Freaking hard it all is, especially when you're also bombarded on this other side. Right. To be like, shave that, enlarge that, plump no. that, shrink that, and it's 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 that's beauty culture yep. in general mm-hmm. to you know women in general. But now I think it's wonderful. I was watching your live with um your, with your CMO, yeah, with Amy who I love um on the Ulta channel, and just you know obviously social media, but just culturally we're more transparent right. about. You know, that it's not all effortless. No way. It takes a do you minute. you know how to...
1: long we would have to spend at a hair salon as a black little girl? It was traumatizing. Uh, I did it every Saturday. Every Saturday. And, and there were moments about it that you loved because I loved the culture of the beauty shop once I got there. But mm. like we had to miss birthday parties. Mm. I didn't get in pools oh, wow. if a birthday party was too late because that meant that my mom was going to have to stay up late to do my hair. And people thought I couldn't mm. swim yet i was on a swim team like it was just it's so traumatizing and it's so, so many
2: of those stories nikeo it's really yeah yeah
1: it's it's so yeah there was no easy breezy anything um no. and i mm-hmm. uh, and i think across cultures that 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 mm-hmm. messaging especially for those of us that grew up in the 80s 90s etc that mm-hmm. is a lot of undoing mm-hmm. but what i will say from a place of it's still of hope happening now that, by
2: the way it's still yeah. happening now in different ways mm-hmm. and I do think that beauty is effortless because Mm -hmm. I think for me, the definition of beauty, which is a question you asked, but I never answered comes from the inside, you know, and that is effortless to me. But the hard part is getting through all of the status quo, uh, cultural norms, Mm -hmm. ideas, limited ideas of what we're supposed to be. uh, This idea that women are supposed to be small and easy and breezy and right. all of these um, <laughs> messages that we mm-hmm. are given telling us that we're not enough. So, the, the hard work is remembering you're enough. Right right and
0: preoccupied right like to the point like beauty is is fun and it's a celebration it's really it, it's really fun but like there is a line where it's like a preoccupation right like, you use the term earlier which is resonating with me like concealer culture
1: mm-hmm. you know
0: it takes a lot of effort to like wipe yourself out if that's how you're being marketed to but the fact that you have always it sounds like from a very early age use beauty to amplify mm-hmm. rather than conceal yeah. is... Yeah, yeah.
2: I mean, I'm, I'm 49 now. And it's one of the reasons I talk about, I'm going through perimenopause and I'm talking about it publicly um, because I feel the sexiest I've ever felt, but there's not enough, there's like this myth around it and around being a woman right. at this age and what it looks like. I, I don't know if you've ever heard this story, but I was obsessed when I was young with, I did not know what they were called, but this under the eyes. And I was Mm -hmm. like, when I get older, I hope I get those things. I've since discovered that they're called apparently bags, but I thought they were a sign (laughs) of wisdom and something really elegant and beautiful, the women that I saw that looked like that. I love, you know, by the way, Nakea, the first thing I did, I had my makeup done this morning because I thought it was going to help, help me feel better and whatever, but I feel better right. without makeup. So right. I, before this call, I washed all my makeup off and I left my little mascara because I thought that was cute, but I like, yes. I much prefer what my natural skin looks like. Same. And, um, Same. and I think of the stories that people's faces tell, which to mm-hmm. me is the mm-hmm. most beautiful thing in the world. Right. and. We live Mm. in a culture, as you said, Melissa, that like, it's like sort of like wants to wipe it, wipe it clean, cover it up, like stop it from moving. And I, that's Mm. just not, that's not my definition of beauty. I want to see people's stories. I want to know their lives. I want to feel their emotions coming through their faces, their expressions. I want to know, be able to read a face because it's telling me a story. And to me, that is the most beautiful thing in the world. Absolutely,
0: it should read juicy and joyful, juicy
2: and joyful. in
1: <laughs> all of the moves and expressions <laughs> and smiles. Juicy and joyful it's coming through. I love that so
0: much. <laughs> I love that, and like you know, for an actress, for a very you know well-known, very visible person like yourself to be saying that and preaching that, and and you know, I've heard you say things along that line before. I mean, that is actual life changing to so many, mm-hmm. um, women and people in general, um, to undo a lot of what society generally is telling us the opposite, right. you know, especially on the aging, especially Probably on the, the aging, aging front. front. Like a yeah. makeup
2: artist just oh. worked on me the other day and she was so wonderful. She said, you know, there's a lot of topography on a face. And I was like, huh? She was like, people mm. forget it's not supposed to be a sheet of paper. Right. There mm. are grooves and hills and valleys. Right. And, and often camera people, she's like, I'll see, you know, on a set, a cameraman, a DP with his bags under his eyes and all these different things is like, can you put more concealer under her eyes? And she's like, no. <laughs> like, that's right. what her face looks like. Like, it's right. like, you know, you have all these dips and and
1: crevices and turns yeah. and grooves. And it's not supposed to be... Well, yeah, we no. shouldn't walk around in, like, a real-life filter. I don't yeah. want to look like a piece of paper,
2: and I don't want to look like a camera took a picture. I want to look like a person. I want to look like you can touch me can right. feel me, and this is what's happening in my face. And I love that in other people's faces. Me
1: too. My mom always used to tell me, you know, when I was little, I'd be like, what are those lines? And she says, they're a map of my joy. Ah! Oh! Oh! Yeah. They're a map of my joy. So oh. I was always, like... In in people always attracted to smile lines because I thought it just meant they were just joyful people, right? Because so you really that. get those lines when you smile. That's when you see them. Yeah, it's the wow, best. A, map of, a map of my joy. I love that smile lines. Right. Um,
0: like I don't know if they're called crow's feet. Like yeah, smile that's, lines. I'm gonna, I'm call gonna call go. Them I'm so gonna go with smile lines. lines. It sounds crow's better than feet. crow's feet. What's yeah, exactly. that? Crow's feet. Exactly. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know why I froze up. there. Does that mean that this is a map of my? Skin? Yes. It's my yes, it's fine. It's yeah, fine. It's a map. You gotta of have my... the joy, <laughs> the stress <laughs>
2: too. It's all. One fine. of my beauty secrets is um, I do it myself, and I also ask makeup artists to do it. I smile and I ask uh-huh. them to follow my the lines. So oh. Because I feel like- Oh, like eyeliner? Yeah, because those are the lines that my face actually naturally makes. Naturally goes. So I like to pull out. Like people like to make the line go up on me. And I'm like, but when I smile, there's no up line. It's an outline.
1: That's amazing. It goes out. I see. Oh, so
0: I would like, instead, if I do a cat eye, instead of going up to my eyebrow, like I I would do it- follow wherever Yeah, I I
2: follow the lines. Because there's one that goes up. The top one goes up but it goes uh-huh. up out here, not like up here. So I always, I literally, the first line, I go like this and I uh-huh. take my finger and I follow the line and then I draw it in with the pencil.
1: That is such a great I idea. I love that. Yeah.
2: Um, you're really drawing in the map
1: Yes, of yes. I am with a black, <laughs>
2: cold
0: pencil.
1: Yes, yes. Get it We need on to there. trademark Stamp that. It. We need to trademark that in case we ever make an eyeliner. Map of joy. Okay. <laughs> yes, <laughs> map of joy. Don't tell anybody. I love it. Don't. Don't tell anyone. Don't tell anyone, just our listeners. You guys, this was so much fun. It felt like 10 minutes. It might have to be a two-part
2: series. I mean, that was really, that was really fun.
1: So happy for this two-part series. So please tune in and join us next week for part two.
0: This episode was produced by Alexa Machia and Anne-Marie Johnson. The show was edited by Barlet Council. You can follow us on Instagram at at 13 Loon and at Melissa Magsese and at Nakeo.